Hey there, welcome back. In today's episode, I got to sit down with Dean Stanton, public artist, uh, muralist, I suppose, and uh, all around kind of a fun, silly dude. He's been practicing art for 30 some odd years in Calgary, and I got some very cool insight into what that actually means in this amazing city of ours. I hope that uh, you'll take some time, give her a listen, uh, leave me some comments and feedback. Heck, uh, subscribe even, and just let us know how we're doing. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, all sorts of different apps. And without any further ado, here's Dean Stanton, here's me, and this one was recorded by Matt Mort. Hope you enjoy. We've had the honor of having some amazing local bands give us their music uh, to help us to just get that sweet vibe going on with our podcast. This season, we've been uh, working with local band Thomas Thomas. They're all in yellow. They're pretty dope. They've got a new EP just about to launch, and they gave us this amazing track, Gracious Host. Um, thank you so much. I hope that we can have them on our podcast and uh, just take a listen to this track as it opens up uh, this podcast. With Dean Stanton today. Hola. Did you, did you like that uh, deep, dramatic voice? That was very good. Uh, we also have a sub and producer, Matthew Mord, is with us today. I keep telling uh, these guys that the producers should be mic'd, kind of like a Howard Stern's thing where they can yeah. jump in and, and talk shit. Uh, but they're, You're yeah. so full of crap. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> like, third voice coming out of nowhere. Right? Like, why not? Uh, but they have not uh, elected to do that yet. We've been trying to connect probably for two and a half months. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's okay. Uh, uh, first uh, coffees, etc. But uh, I'm really glad you're here with us. Me Dean. as well. So, sounds great. <clears throat> um, essentially, what we're doing here at Perspectives is trying to talk to uh, cool people, right? And so here. Yeah, man. Right. Um, about the art culture scene and all this kind of business. Uh, now, you and I, we've met in in passing at coffee shops, et cetera, because we're starting to have mutual acquaintances. But um, perhaps uh, you could start off by giving us an idea of um, who, who you are. Who Dean. I am, Met <laughs> metaphorically, <laughs> metaphysically. Um, Dean Stanton, I was born and raised in Calgary. I've been a self-employed artist in town for about so almost 30 years now. I, I'm 51 and I was about 21 when I started my little ball rolling here in Calgary. I actually started, I, I was on a trip to Australia in 1990 and I started selling artwork there just because I got bored and I started making some stuff and started selling a ton of art there. And when I came back to Calgary, I just kind of took that momentum and just kept rolling with it and, you know, just started making a ton of stuff and selling most of it, but giving bits of it away and doing a lot of stuff for charities as well, which I still do. and just trying to get my name out there. But anyway, at this for a while, I went to the Alberta College of Art 
which is now the Alberta College of Art and Design. We, of course, did design. It just didn't have it on the title of the school yet. Yeah, I haven't really been back to the college much. Just I've given a couple of talks and stuff over the years, but uh, it's changed a lot, which always makes me feel old, but I like it. And yeah, so been able to, last 30 years almost, been able to eke out a minuscule existence out of, you know, the art world. So it's been, it's been all right. It's been a very, very weird ride, but fun. I get to be my own boss, and sometimes I should fire myself in a fit of rage, but I don't because I'm just so awesome. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting. I'm just so invaluable to my own company, you know. Well, so, yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> I couldn't let you go. Yeah, I can see you arguing with yourself, like, you know, yeah. what did you just say? And you're like, it's my name on the door, totally, right? When I'm not chasing myself around the desk, you know, <laughs> I'm Mr. Stanton. Uh, I mean, hearing that intro, one of the fascinating things, like, I think we should touch upon, whether right away or through the conversation, is this idea of surviving in Calgary as an artist, and uh, you know. In general, perhaps because of the um, groups of people I'm being introduced with, uh, you know, and the people I'm um, working with, it's not that it's impossible, but it feels like a bit of a grind. And that there's something here, uh, whether it's oppressive or uh, culturally changing, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, and you'll have this great insight, I hope, at 30 years, you'll have seen if there's been a fluctuation, if it's changed, if it's been the same. Um, but we, So we could start there. Uh, or uh, if you want to do something more chronological, we could talk oh. about, you know, you and coming into art and, and this stuff selling in Australia, uh, which is fascinating and coming back here. But what piques your interest, Dean? Oh, well, I mean, I guess... I just love the commercialization of art. I mean, that's, I guess, the Australian connection I simply mentioned just because it was funny. I'd only sold a few pieces of art in Calgary. I got out of art school in 1990, and I, I just I, I took graphic design and illustration, and I just wanted – it was simple. I just wanted to be paid to draw pictures, like literally that simple. And I just – anything to not get a day job at that age and period. I just want to have fun. I want to have my summers to myself and ride my bike and stuff. Just have fun. And um, so I started getting paid to do illustration gigs, and it was really great because I made – a good hunk of money in a very short amount of time. And I thought, oh, this is this sounds great. So I can work for two days and make enough to pay my rent for the whole month. That was my reasoning. This <laughs> zero ambition, you know. Just, but at that age, I'm like, oh, bring it. And started, you know, then saved up some dough and went to Australia. That was my second trip over there. Started painting on furniture and stuff and sold a lot of this stuff and, and came back to Calgary just all fired up thinking, hey, there's this, you know, something to be said by, uh, you know, grabbing crappy furniture and painting on it. The same things that I painted in my paintings. And seeing who would buy it as in consignment stores or individuals. And this is before the internet, really, and definitely before things like Kijiji and stuff like that. I, you know, started selling stuff and got a studio downtown. Yeah, it was just um, kind of great. I, I got a, my first studio was in Penny Lane Mall back in the day. A lot of people may rep remember that. Some will and some won't. But it was this very, very low-key mall right in the heart of downtown. So it was sort of, I don't want to use the word dead, but it was just kind of not a lot of traffic. And I went through there one day up to the second floor to use the plus 15 because it was super freezing out. And I saw this neat empty space with a big glass frontage. And I you know, was across from a music conservatory and a massage place and just, you know, general business, destination shopping. So I contacted Trilled Realty and I'm just like, hey, you know, this is a neat space. And, you know, I had this youthful bravado. So I went for it and um, they let me rent it for almost nothing. And so for three or four years, I was in there and it... It became a public studio, and this is like early 90s. So people, I just let people I enjoyed would come in and go, what the hell is this? I'm smoking a cigar, drinking a beer, eating a sandwich, making art. And they're like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, it's my studio. Look, can I hang out? Sure. Like people just started hanging out. And uh, I got this weird little following of people just want to come and hang out. And some were a bit skittish and some were awesome. Like some were business people who would just come and 
they couldn't believe what was going on here. All by the grace of, at the time, uh, John Giroud and Giroud Realty, they just let me go in there. You know, I didn't cause any fires. They said, no welding. And I'm like, no problem. <laughs> I don't know how to weld. So it all worked out. But everything else was pretty much fair game. And I met a lot of neat people. Getting that studio just after graduation or shortly after graduation really gave me this kind of public momentum. And I really enjoyed meeting new people and just cranking out art that was fun and simple and selling it for just about anything. Like people just would walk in and they, they wanted a wheel and deal. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I just love making this stuff. You know, so I didn't have any clear commercial direction. I just really enjoyed trading my art for money, which again, went with the simplicity of just what I wanted to do. And so, yeah, it was funny time, you know, cool. So now people that were very young back then, you know, just call me up or get, get a hold of me on Facebook. And they're like, oh, remember when you used to have those parties back in Penny Lane or you used to do whatever? And these people were, I had, you know, young kids that were like 16, 17 hanging out. And now they're business people. And they're like, oh, those were the days, man. And I'm like, oh, my God. So it's great. I feel old, but I'm glad I contributed something bizarre to Calgary culture without really thinking about it. I just kind of did my thing. As you know, uh, through our texting, I mean, I was uh, sitting here with George Weber a few weeks ago, oh, right, um, yeah. who also has quite a lot of uh, tenure um, in this art environment. But maybe I'll ask you just directly. I mean, is that something that can happen today? You know, I, I wonder, I don't know if it's different expectations or different financial realities there, this idea of like, maybe it's just not enough hope <laughs> walking into a dying mall, opening a place up because you <sighs> chat some guy up. and Yeah, good, good. Uh, yeah, that's a good question or perspective. Just, I don't know. Like we have a, a ton more population here in town. And of course, everybody's a lot younger and the city is just less gritty. Like back then it was, you know, 20 years ago. It's interesting. Abandoned buildings. You know, I used to do that as a hobby. Now that just doesn't happen. And I mean, I mean, that is to go urban spelunking in old buildings. And that's just one example of like Calgary, which is still kind of, there were like, I don't know, it was like Regina or something where there were old buildings just sitting there empty. Now that wouldn't happen ever, you know? Now we're ripping stuff down to put up new stuff, you know? So real estate's changed, population's changed. The demographic's vastly different in my opinion. As for artists, I think artists can grab the internet really by the cojones and and milk it you know so i think i think there is hope i think you just have to you just have to be able to be poor and just want to sell your stuff and there's a lot more competition quote unquote you know my stuff stood out a few years ago i don't really believe it would now i think i get i still have an okay fan base you know and i still get new young people calling me up and saying hey we want a piece of art for our living room or whatever or kids room i do both you know stuff for kids or adults it's kind of the same which is great yeah i still think that that hope can still be there it just has to be a little more ferocious like you have to really you have to re you have to be ready to reinvent yourself every day and in my opinion i mean i've never considered myself part of the quote art world you know i've had shows and i've had professional gallery stuff and i'm not against it at all i think it's just not my bag so if you like i went the way of i guess you know i was always flexible so i went the way of selling art to bank tellers and housewives and house husbands and whomever if they like my work i found a way to make it work so i've never i could never be accused of being an art snob for two seconds it's pretty much you know, if anything, I undervalue my work, but that's my right to do. And I just, I like making it and I, it's, it can sit in my studio or I can, I can sell it or give it away. And I prefer the latter. For me, I'm phobic about saying no to anything. I just, unless it's a, a blatant ripoff or a blatant, some bizarre situation where I'm clearly going to get the shaft. And I'd like to think I'm not stupid. <laughs> Jury's out on that. Uh, ask my four-year-old. Unless it's some kind of blatant situation where I'm going to be taken advantage of, I'm all for it. I say, bring it on. Like, Am I going to make money? Don't know, but it sounds awesome. Let's rock. So that's just kind of my thing. That's helped me a lot. And I would recommend to artists that they try to be flexible. I've met a lot of artists and I really, I do respect this. I don't always agree with it, but I respect it where artists out of the gate or out of school are their sense of value, in my opinion. And this is a blanket statement, of course, but their sense of value out of the gate is so overblown and insane. I just, if I could sit them down, I would go like, who do you think you are really? Like, I get it. You're the next 
like hot shit on the scene. I don't even know what the scene is, but I'm just like, wow, like that's great. If that works for you, that's awesome. But I mean, you know, you're, you're selling, you're trying to sell paintings for five grand your first year out of high school. Like that's awesome. If you do that, great. But I just go, wow, good luck. And I don't know where they get this. Some, some do, some don't. But I've always been wickedly humble. And I just go, glad you like my art. Going to make some more. Yeah, I mean, uh, a couple, I mean, you've mentioned the word uh, simplicity, which I think is important in the narrative, which is that, you know, for you, I guess the boil down is I want to be paid to draw, which is a fascinating, that's, you know, it's like a logo. It's like a corporate yeah, logo. It could be a t-shirt. I mean, a model. I'm stupid and I want to get paid to draw Yeah, on the I, same t-shirt. <laughs> and I wonder, you know, bringing up fine art, because uh, I, I also, I mean, I, I love uh, fine art, I love galleries, I love museums, I love mm -hmm. people that are capable of doing all that stuff. Um, but I think, too, like, historically, it's become so much about contextualizing, you know, like, you may not understand why this painting of a dog is so important, but here's the essay that accompanies it, mm -hmm. and this is why it's now worth 10 grand. Yeah. But then if we're educating people, uh, kids, presumably, not to point the finger too much, that that's the way art needs to exist, then right. you, you know, it creates a new culture. It's the same, I think, why I dislike professionally trained politicians and, and kids that go get their MBA when they're 19. And, and professionally that, trained politicians? I've never <laughs> even heard of that. I thought they, most of them were unprofessionally trained. Well, that's a whole other, yeah, that's a whole other argument. But, you know, the guys that get policy degrees because they think they're going to be the prime minister. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like it creates blinders in many ways. Um, and the old school, and I don't know if this is a 90s thing or, or a personal thing for you or an experiential. I mean, I don't know if it's coming <clears throat> up from how you're raised or what you went through to become an artist, et cetera. But that idea of simplicity, which is that I know what I love, which is drawing, and I know what I need, which is money. Mm -hmm. So let me draw for money. Yeah. And then everything else works around that. The only painter I think, well, not only, but one of the painters that it reminds me a lot of is uh, is Jill Paddock, who, who I know, because I keep telling her that she needs to price her stuff more. And like, yeah. she's so popular, but she's got that great energy too. She's like, look, I just need to draw it. If it sits in my basement, it's such a waste of time. You know, if you want to take it for a hundred bucks this time, take it. Oh yeah. You know, it's interesting. Oh yeah. And I try not to advertise that as in, so like a person will come into my studio and they'll look at some piece of shit that's on the floor and go, what is that? And it's a half done painting. And, I, and they're like, that's really neat. And I go, that's yours for a hundred bucks. But, you know, I go tell somebody you paid 500 or whatever. I make a joke, right? A half joke. But I mean, that's fine. Like, I'm not, I, I think it's fantastic when artists are like, well, I will not let this painting go for anything less than whatever. And that's great. That's like a supermodel saying, I don't work for less than 10 grand a day. Wicked. That wouldn't work for me. Even if it did, I, I, I would, it wouldn't sit well with me. Yeah. And just speaking about the gallery thing, um, as I said, I've had my experience with galleries and I've had very few bad experiences, mostly good, like one out of 10, maybe that was awkward, not even bad. I reasoned when I was, you know, 23 or whatever, I started looking at it going, I believe, I can't say that I don't speak for other people, but, um, or art critics or galleries or whatever. But for me, I looked at it in my simplistic, naive fashion and said, there are two markets. There's the hoity-toity art world that creates the flavor of the week and all that stuff. And they make, you know, they make the Banksies and all that stuff, rich and famous. And that's fantastic. But there's this weird elitist portion of the art world, which I just dislike. And then there's like the other 99% of the population who just want some cool art and they want to be collectors and they want to buy art from an artist that is taken seriously. And that's my market. And I love it. You know, that's, that's what I sell too. So, I mean, I've sold paintings for 3000 bucks and I've sold paintings for 30 bucks, like in the same week. So it's kind of like, and that's just, I, I just kind of gauge what a client has and we discuss it. 
and I get what I can get, you know? Yeah, and as for sort of the, the elite portion of the, of the art world, I've never understood that only because, like, I went to Alberta College of Art versus University of Calgary, not that there's a huge difference. But when I looked at both as a potential student, I just got a better vibe from ACA. Like, there were more people making art. There were people running around, literally running around screaming, throwing shit. And I thought, this is great. Whereas the university was quiet as a mouse, and I saw the occasional studio. And I'd not enough of a delving into to really judge, but I just made the snap decision. I went, oh, ACA, it looks more fun. And I was right. Well, I don't know if I was right, but it was great for me. But I mean, I always say, you know, art was invented on the wall of a cave. So how did it become this elitist bullshit? Like, I don't get it. Cave meant, you know, cave dwellers didn't have university education. So why do you need one to appreciate art? As far as we know. Yeah, as that's far true. As they we, had their own university. We may not have found that cave yet, but... Uh... That'd be awesome. Full of books and stuff. <laughs> We'd fuck it up. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so it's all good. So I like my little niche and it's been really good to me. So, you know, I, I've been able to give younger artists some advice and it's really flattering when that happens. But you also are afraid of steering them wrong, which, of course, they're, they're grown adults. They'll make their own thing. But I just say, be flexible. Say yes to things. Jump in. Like, just have fun with it. Like, if you're not, you know, if you, if you think you're the next hot thing, you probably aren't going to be. So, you know. Maybe I'll ask you too. I mean, it sounds like even leading into a selection of college. So I, I think in Calgary, that's like 17, 18 years old. You already had a firm idea that uh, you just needed to draw pictures. I mean, is that just, just, is that something that you've had your whole life? Is there, is there been like a, a key moment in your life where you're like, fuck it, like this other thing is bullshit? Or, uh, yeah. I mean, that, I just, that kind of commitment is really fascinating. I just yeah. always loved drawing. And I mean, I, I, I was, it's funny because like all through high school, like I used to be able to, you know, when I wasn't in school, I was always drawing in a sketchbook. But my big thing was drawing like musicians I liked or photos I liked where I'd take a black and white photo out of a magazine and copy it with a pencil photo reel and I learned how to do that awesome stuff and I still look back at that stuff and I go this is for a 17 or 16 year old kid these are good like they're pretty they're damn they're spot on you know but then I went to art school and I got way out of that and thought I could still maybe do that maybe it's like riding a bike I also love watercolors and I could do fairly realistic watercolors but I just loved thick black outlines and fun you know I saw Keith Haring's art and I saw um dudes that were doing this stuff in the late 80s and it was so brilliant it was just so simplistic and I thought I want to do that so I just got colorful paints and black paint and made paintings with outlines people liked it Started cranking it out and I loved it. Couldn't get enough of making it. But this sort of signature look became my mainstay. And I mean, I love it. And, it's, and I've been able to stick with it. I probably diverged off what you just said. But no, no, I guess it, that's why we're here. I think it's okay. I mean, I I, uh, I think too, I mean, leading into that, out of that is uh, from kind of knowing you. There's And you brought up a little bit at the beginning. There's been so much sort of community and outreach stuff. I think also because of the, uh, you know, the aesthetic direction of your work. I mean, one of the times you bailed on me is you're like, Oh, I can't make coffee tomorrow because I'm going to be on CBC in the morning. And I'm like, what the fuck? Or, or, or global, global. Probably. Yeah, that and was... it pops up, and I'm like, holy shit! There's this wall mural with. I think it was. A, is it a children's hospital? Or I can't remember what the article was. And I was like, holy shit! Like, you know, that's an that's the only acceptable reason to blow me off. Yeah. Is what to are be you on... thinking, man? <laughs> I knew this was my last shot, or I'd never hear from you again. I'd get like black roses in the mail. My wife's like, who's this from? <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to talk about it. I start quietly <laughs> sobbing in the corner. <laughs> but uh, but there's that outreach element, you know, like, um, you know, w whether there was uh, enough money, et cetera. I mean, it sounds like more importantly, um, this connection with community has been oh, yes. a, a fairly large uh, a motivator for you. I've always loved it. And when I had my studio in Penny Lane, I mean, I opened it up to the public quite by accident where I was in a mall and John Thoreau, or the, the representative with Thoreau Realty, who I'm still friends with, his he said, okay, we're going to put you in your place. We're going to put you in the studio and that's great. It's got a frontage. So make it look like you have a store. So put some stuff in, but in the back, it's just a messy studio. Like it was, you know, go crazy. And that was fun. And so people would wander in, as I said, 
And, you know, it was nice because people would bring me coffee or subs or beer or in that day you could smoke. So cigars, you know, I like cigars. Or uh, my jigsaw broke, small tool. And a friend of mine, I barely knew him, he came by and he liked to just paint and play with things. But he brought me a new jigsaw. And his thing was he liked to put on his own music. And I said, absolutely, go for it. And I learned all this great new music and people bringing me CDs. And it was just nice to, like, average Calgarians just embrace this weirdo making art and i thought this is pretty cool and so just gained a lot of cool friends i'm still friends with a lot of them this to this day and there were two kids michael and philip and they uh went to their music conservatory across the way quick story and almost every time they were there which was like twice a week their parents were a bit they were their parents were british and they were always a bit late picking them up nothing huge the kids would wander over and hang out and then i slowly got to know them over a couple of years and Next thing you know, it's it's okay with the parents that they come and spend time in the studio waiting. And the parents knew that they could be like an hour late. So they're in my studio and I'm letting them use jigsaws and drills. And they've got the whole safety gear. And, you know, and I know it's safe. I let my own kid use it. But they're doing their and they're having fun drilling holes in walls and stuff. And you know, I'm going to fix that later. But these kids are now, one's a banker and one's something else. And, you know, they're like, you gave me a check when I was nine. It was so much fun. I still have it. And I'm like, what did I pay you for? He goes, oh, you did, I did some work for you, but I never cashed it. And I'm like, oh my God, I gave a nine-year-old a check? You go to jail for that stuff. <laughs> But not back then. That whole community thing was really great. Like, I mean, I didn't count on anything coming back. I just thought this is really fun. And the parents thought it was great. They could take their time in rush hour traffic getting their kids because they knew the kids were having like great crush and hanging out on my couch in the studio. That was just wicked. And to hear to hear these stories later on where it's like, that was a riot. Oh man, I'll never forget those days. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I now work with the public whenever I can. And it's, you know, I've been able to turn that into a bit of a, a shtick, which is good. But I love working with the public and showing them how simple it is. I never intended to take that, or I hope to take the mystery out of art, for me anyway. I mean, but I really do believe anyone can make art. And as soon as you do, it's art. You don't need someone else to tell you it's art. You just need the confidence to believe that it is, you know. If you sell it, is it art? If you create it, is it art? If some curator says it's art, is it art? That's all BS, you know. It's up to the creator, in my opinion, you know. It doesn't mean it's good, but it's still art. It's like poetry or music. You know, play music in your garage. It's still, you're still making music. It's not music because of certain criteria. You know, or once it sells, all that stuff. I just all leave it in the dust and just make it. There's like a old, I think it's a Chinese saying, which I, I won't know because I don't remember it. But I think it evolved, it devolved into something like uh, what you're saying, which is I think it's like a court musician for an emperor, and he, you know, had this whole life, et cetera, et cetera. And then in the end, he ends up on the streets, and he keeps playing, keeps playing, and finally somebody comes up to him. He's like, "Why do you keep playing?" Is apparently like one beggar that's been coming and sitting to listen to him. Mm -hmm. As long as you have this one audience there's still value in creating something. Now, whether, yeah. you know, art needs a viewer or it becomes purely an expression of the person or the other side, which is it needs to be sold and valued and contextualized, et cetera. I, I don't know if there's an actual correct answer, but um, I like where you're going with that. I, uh, the other thing is this this sense of community coming from toronto i just i got in on that not angry alberta hashtag on twitter I just not was that i'm about that that's yeah, really funny um, but i brought up i used to be in the insurance industry when the floods happened here my god like the rain stopped and people were out in the streets with their sleeves rolled up yeah oh yeah you know neck deep in human shit and fucking yep. soil and dirt tearing out their buddies basements and toronto actually had a flood uh, two weeks later uh, that did not happen and, and it's not that the individuals in Toronto aren't Canadian or aren't mm -hmm. polite, but when you get into these oppressive either cultures or urban developments, whatever whatever the true psychological uh, explanation is, there's something unique about Calgary. Even, you know, talking about Penny like if you talk to any Calgarian, your neighbor, you could bump into them and say you're going to start a business, whatever it is, they're going to try to fucking help you. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of support. For there's sure. something about this city that's different. 
But then on the art side, there's a limit because, <laughs> you know, you get a lot of good vibes and then you meet a lot of artists that either say they didn't make it or, you know, whatever that next step didn't happen. I don't know if you have any insight into that. I mean, yeah, not a lot. I mean, I do. It's cliche, but I need to get out more for sure. Um, we need to go to more galleries and stuff like that. And now my wife and I are definitely taking our little guy out. We go out as much as possible to art shows and stuff like that because he digs them. He, he's he's there for the free food, but he's you know he's got to he'll like what he likes. Yeah, yeah. But um, we're trying to get out more and encourage that in him as well. But yeah, in terms of yeah, Calgary's embracing of the arts. Um, I don't know. It's weird, especially with our public art program. Not to get too far off, but it's just strange because I don't know. I'm sure there are, and I don't want to shoot myself in the foot, but I've never heard of a modern 21st century city that is that considers itself 100. percent 22nd century global, you know, cosmopolitan center that has to freeze this public art program. Like, that's wild. I'm like, because people can't agree. Like, I don't know, the old question, how do other cities do it? I mean, they go, you know, people go to, you know, our counselor, whomever goes to other, uh, the the art professionals go to other cities to check it out. Well, how do other cities do it? How do they ignore it? How do they get around these problems? So like, what do we have a, you know, two or three year freeze on public art? Like, just seems weird to me, like incomprehensible. I mean, Red Deer has a public art program. And yeah. guess what? It's going great. I, I don't, it's just weird. Like, how, how did this happen? Like, how yeah. did we get derailed? Like, it's just so weird, you know? This bad stretch that's, well, I shouldn't say bad, Mr. Relative, but this stretch that we've been going through from the ring to the towers mm-hmm. to all this stuff. I, I saw the new one, which is like, looks like popsicle sticks. It's kind of neat with like a, is it like a bird wings or I, I don't know. Somebody posted on Instagram, but I don't know how those bureaucracies uh, make decisions correctly or incorrectly. I will say that my reflection on Toronto is that they just keep dumping more and more public money into it. Mm-hmm. And then they just pretend that there's no such thing as a dead. And now uh, Ontario's in huge, huge trouble. Uh, and so, you know, Alberta, at least, whether I agree with its true capital C conservatism, you know, socially is kind of a problem, but financially it has this backing, which I wasn't here for, um, that gives us GST only and all, you know, that kind of mentality. Um, so I have a feeling that's why they froze it because they're like, wait a second, like we're spending a lot of money. People hate us. At least we should stop them to figure out what well, presumably what's wrong with it. Uh, I will say in Toronto, they wouldn't care whether people were happy or not. They would just dump more money into it and pay. If they're like, oh, you want local? Okay, well, here's here's my friend that uh, takes his $3 million uh, project uh, and puts some pictures on a wall. So. Oh, yeah. And I mean, public outrage or public outcry or whatever about pieces. And, and I don't know the ins and outs of it. I should probably just shut up, but I'm not going to. There seems to be this phobia about in, in, in incorporating the public in the decision-making process. Yeah. Which, because our city tends to, from what I've read, and it's not super extensive, but our city tends, it's just, oh, no, 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 no. Why would we? Oh my God, why would we ever let the public, oh, get out, you're fired. (laughs) Like, it's just so weird. And I'm like, you know, you could have 10 finalists that the city's already chosen, put them on a website that's a click yes or a click no, just like the Olympics. Like, dude, make a Wix website, have some four-year-old do it, you know? And it's just, which one do you like? That would diminish a lot of stuff, but they can't even do that. That's an hour of somebody's time to go, there's 10 of them, which one do you like? Tabulate the results. Or ignore the results. Maybe they've already decided, but even, you know, this is illegal probably, but let the public feel like they got to get some. But we can't even, our curators of public art can't even let the people feel like they've had a, you know, there's no way because they're the professionals. I'm guessing, I don't know, but I'm just like, they're going to look at it, let them at least have a token approach of of feeling like they picked it, but no, forbidden, like, because they're just a dumb little public. And I'm like, you know what? Treat them like an idiot. They're going to 
you know, like it's just weird to me. I just think, how hard is it to inc- incorporate the public? Uh, I'm on your side. I mean, I, again, we both don't know what the true bureaucracy behind it, who gets selected and what they have to do. But I mean, bringing up this poll thing. I, so I have a friend who's a uh, street portrait photographer and he got linked into some guy who's actually some big, I think he's in the States. But he just, the States guy decided to do uh, a public art poll uh, competition for street portraiture. Oh, cool. And so all he did was Instagram, you know, it's a top-down picture. You pick top or bottom, and Instagram tabulates the results for you, yeah. you know, like on the, on the thing. And so you do that for a public art project for Yeah, because you don't have to pick the one that the public picked. Just give yeah. them, like, pick from the four finalists that the, cities, oh, the, like the city the thing, goes, right? we love these four. We're happy with any of these four or five or ten. And then let the public decide or ignore those results and go ahead. But just let them let the public have yes. a little bit of say. It's weird. Then you're not going to get 25,000 angry phone calls and emails. Yeah. And but, there's that rhetoric that it's our money. <laughs> so we're, we wanted to host. So we wanted to host an Olympics, but we don't have the brain power to figure this out. Like, that's astounding to me. And I'm not the only one. Like, yeah. that's like, I just don't get it, you know? Yeah, there's been some Mystifying. interesting things uh, with all those, well, at least within the public arts sphere. I mean, I don't know, again, uh, anything about how they actually make decisions, but... Um, from my armchair, it seems mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. It's like, okay, we have this space. We want to make it look pretty because we want our city to stand out on the map. Maybe that, maybe the rhetoric twists there because maybe there's people in there who think the only way to look cool to an international company is to ha- uh, international city is to have an international artist come in. And it's like, no, well, I don't think so. I think it's much cooler personally if you show New York, LA, Tokyo, wherever, that we have, let's say, Dean Stanton. He just did this, you know, fucking 25-foot mural. Yeah, yeah. And this is what represents Calgarian art. And take it or leave it, right? Well, I hear that. And I think we have a lot of local art, which is good. We still have the cowboy hats and the the, uh, barbed wire and all that stuff. And that's great. And I mean, I love local and we're allowed to enter those, you know, I've entered a few and, you know, we're allowed. And there are ones that are Calgary. There are ones that are just Alberta and the international ones. And I think a lot of the art that's been pissing people off are the international ones. Yeah. And and I hear this and I mean, I call it like a Calgary Sun mentality with all due respect. It's like you see these angry letters where it's like, let's keep it local, gosh darn it. And I go, okay, that's great. Let's let's give all this stuff to Alberta artists only, okay? Now, should those same artists be allowed to enter competitions in Germany? Well, hell yeah. Well, no, you can't like... That's infantile thinking. Right. Let's just all keep it, right? But yeah. the but I've met so many people that literally are they're they're that stupid where they go, well, no, that artist keep it local, but that guy should be able to apply for stuff in Tokyo. Right. Like, what happened to you? Right. Like, did you hit your head? That it doesn't like cake and eat it too. That's ridiculous. Grown adults thinking like this, bam, blows my mind. Like I'm like, which do you want? But it's like keep it local. There are local ones. You know, there always have been. Just Calgary. Just. You know, there, there, there are ones that are just communities, you know, Thorncliff says we're going to open up a small art competition for just people in the neighborhood. Great. Like there's plenty to go around, you know, nobody has to get all freaked out. But if it's too, if it's too insular, we lose our, our shit. If it's too international, we lose our shit. Like, I don't know, make up your mind. Like, do you love, a, do you live on a planet or do you live in a box? You know, that's how I see it. This, this is a great perspective, especially as an established artist, which is that I wonder if this is the same, uh, you know, social sort of problem. This media reporting that is pulling out headlines that yeah. create energy, right? Usually negative. Yeah, totally. And so as an outsider, you know, I'm pretty new in the art game, et cetera, you know, hearing that there is enough local art, public art projects to go around, you know, as a, as your interpretation of Yeah, I don't know the stats. I just know, right, right. you know. Um, but that there are some, that's hilarious, right? Sorry, I'm looking outside and uh, my son has not left Kyle alone and Kyle is now playing. What are you doing? The, what are you doing? Yeah. How are you doing it? No, 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 no. He brought the iPad and he's telling Kyle how to play the game. Cool. <laughs> These are Teen Titans. Oh, I know. <laughs> 
Because, like, I'm wearing teen tight underwear. That's Whoops. Awesome. But, yeah, like, you know, this media bent where, you know, all I get uh, as, let's say, uh, a media user is this controversy of, uh, what did they call it, the Alton Towers or whatever, and these, like, you know, uh, concrete things that's done by some, you know, thing by New York. And then you read it. And so I read the rhetoric, and I'm like, oh, fuck, like, that doesn't sound right. But they don't come back with the follow-up that, you know, you got this thing at a hospital. Alex Kwong painted this mural on a, on, a, on a condo or something. That's not part of the same article, right? Yeah. And I wonder if that's also this twisting element where we're getting – we're being led to be upset about shit that is actually not well, that Oh, it could be. I mean, no, it's a good point you make because, I mean, there's something to be said for fake news, fake headlines, all that stuff. Like I just, I just had this thought and I'd be curious if – uh, a nice Albertan artist gets a gig to build a, I don't know, giant fiberglass cow in some town of Schnuckershogen in Germany, right? Or sit, you know, medium-sized city. And to go there or gather their media, would you see Germans going like, what the hell? Wattens the hell? Why didn't we hire a German? Maybe they wouldn't care. I don't know. But in that particular city, they might go, awesome. I love it. Cows are wicked. Guys from Alberta, Canada, they have mountains. You know? Yeah. Or yeah. would they be like, down with this, down with that, keep the money here. I mean, Calgary feels very, or it seems to me like Alberta's feeling a little, you know, hard done by. I have been for a couple of years, it seems. Yeah, so I mean, maybe there's that too. It's just like, don't spend money on art. And I'm like, well, okay, what's yeah. what's next? You know, like, and yeah, that's just to, I don't know if that's to appease the public or what. Like, hmm. you, like again, with that Twitter hashtag, one of the things I've been, you know, reading, because it's, that's also skewed the other way, you know, super, I guess, left-wing or whatever, but people who are worried about some rhetoric in politics, who the fuck knows? I, I can't keep track. But, oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, hearing these sort of happy success stories of people that just want to feel, you know, that everything's okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And then you just, you get through it. Something happens, you get through it. Um, I think there's a, I, I quoted, there's a Robert Frost quote. It was like, I'll sum up life in three words. Uh, it goes on. And uh, it's fascinating. It's like, you know, all of this stuff that we get so caught up and upset about as I'm getting older, I, I hit my 40s, is uh, it, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And, and there's, this, there's this thing right now, and you said, you mentioned the sort of, I don't know, Albertans on the, Alberta and hate. We have this bizarre little thing with articles out now. Anyway, and it's funny because I've had, you know, with friends and just at the pub with pals or whatever or online, I've had very short discussions because I don't have a huge opinion. I'm not a hugely political guy. I'm lucky to do what I do where I live, and I love my family. I love what I got going on. I'll rant, but that's my right, you know, uneducated or not. Uh, I'm a good armchair critic of things, but not too much to be annoying, I don't think. But uh, we'll judge after this is published. Exactly, we'll see what yeah. the feedback is. Yeah. Well, this isn't going to go in the public, is it? <laughs> no. So I found it funny because I've get, gotten into, or I get the sentiment or sense that a lot of Albertans can be, you know, I count myself as an Albertan, born and raised, but I mean, there's a lot of people that are like, okay, I'm really mad. I'm spitting mad. We don't have a pipeline. We don't have this. We don't have that. Ottawa, Trudeau, la, la, la. And then I'll say, hmm, you know, I like my life. And I've actually had sort of people imply, well, you're not mad enough. You should be more mad. Like o the oil industry affects every human being in the galaxy, born or not. It just does. And I'm going, okay, like, great. Like, I just kind of go, I'm sure it does. I've had oil customers and not oil customers. Maybe I'd be doing this in Australia. Maybe I, what if I stayed in Australia? But I mean, there's a sentiment that I need to be thankful to a certain industry for being an artist. And I go, okay, I can agree with that to a point this big, tiny, because a lot of it was me and tenacity and hard work, you know? Mm. And I mean, slump or no slump, I still somehow make a living out of this. Sorry, I don't know what my point was. Just 
I don't like people, you know, I just, like a lot of people don't, I just like it when somebody goes, no, you mean this. And I go, no, I actually don't mean that. I mean this. I mean, and I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm just saying life's been good to me here and I love it. You You know, know, a lot of it was me. In our pre-talk, we talked a little bit about, you know, maybe Calgary in the 90s was kind of like this fun, you know, post 80s, you know, crunch shit, whatever. But, you know, there's this different energy. But now I think we described it as, uh, you know, kind of like a corporate city. There's something about it that it's become about chasing, uh, not necessarily in such a negative uh, characterization, but like salary, um, whatever, you know, uh, ranking, titles, et cetera. But there feels like a little disconnect about that conversation, which is like, I'm grateful that this city provides me with this or that this is the life that I've, you know, engaged with with that. You know, as an artist, um, it's a fascinating, especially one that has been able to succeed, you know, as an artist. George Weber talked about his favorite uh, uh, Canadian photographer being a radiologist as his day job. Oh, wow. It's like, shit, that's a, I I can't do that. Like, I can't earn that kind of money. I'm not smart enough. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, from your idea, as you've lived through all of these different phases, um, it's, it's interesting kind of, I don't know, what do you think about, is there a kind of a big tone change in the city that is do you feel like it's are you optimistic about where we're at right now well i don't yeah i think it's i think the optimism is okay i just think there's a lot of like like that political rhetoric if that's the right term going on right now where it's just this whole like we talked about just the anger issue like people are really choked and and i just i just want to look after my kid and i gotta pay my bills like i really am fixated most of the time with just getting bills paid on time you know i don't have a lot of time to get all i don't know whatever but it's, it's it feels calgary feels more workish like less chilled out and just more work 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 like we're having to work harder for whatever or maybe people are worried about layoffs i don't know yeah, i know there's probably a shit ton of cabins for sale in bc <laughs> i guarantee it you know what i mean and i yeah. you know so and you know one of the four quads has to go and all that stuff like we've had it really good for a long time so i think now those good times are shaky and i think that's the tone change so mm. art's one of the first things to go um i'm hoping back to the public art thing i'm hoping that that's you know, from what I gleaned, it was a more of a public opinion policy versus a we don't have the money policy, which would be kind of strange. There's also this, in my opinion, that I sort of sense this disparity between like there's a huge fan base for the traditional art of Calgary, like landscapes and prairie stuff, which is awesome stuff. Nothing wrong with it. And then a whole other section of Calgary. And I don't know what the percentages are that like anything that's crazy and anything that's new and anything that's quote unquote, you know, au courant or whatever, if that's the right pronunciation. So I haven't figured that out yet at all. It seems like, well, just when I think that Calgary's happy with the barbed wire and bison and all that stuff, nothing wrong with it. We turn around and something like the blue ring comes along and some people hate it. Some people like it. I, I guess I guess that's natural. There's a balance there between like and hate of modern versus um, traditional art. But yeah, I'm still trying to get my f- my finger on that. So I don't know. I'd say to answer your question, I think there's still optimism. I just think it's way different shape and it's, it's, way different form these days. Yeah, it's interesting like hearing you say that. I, I'm... I guess it's just through the nature of what I'm doing. I'm meeting a lot of more younger artists and people that are coming up. And I'm seeing that. I'm Maybe it's because also I'm focusing on inner city. I want it to be about Calgary. I have been curating away from landscapes and bears and things like that. Uh, they have an established uh, world. Um, I love this city, so I'm trying my best to find artists, uh, creators, people that want to talk about how great the city is mm-hmm. uh, or not like hating the city is okay too, but 
I want it to be about Calgary per se. And so I meet these urban based kind of like interesting artists, whether they're photographers, painters, uh, mixed media, all this kind of stuff. And uh, I'm getting to see incredible creativity. And I don't know if that's, yeah, in reaction to layoffs and people suddenly like myself getting these midlife crises mm -hmm. where I'm like, well, what the fuck else am I going to do with my life? Oh, wait, you know, maybe I'll take more pictures. Maybe I'll paint oh, this yeah. thing. But even with the kids, you know, uh, there's a couple of painters and, and people that are 18, 19, 20, early 20s. So they haven't had that crisis yet. Mm -hmm. And they've just growing up. Um, maybe around it and they do these like yeah very weird creative challenging uh, images stuff that's like you know scrap, oh, yeah. almost scrapbooking like and, and oh, there's yeah. some fascinating stuff out there and I mean my most inspiring thing ever is when I meet somebody who is just at effort and quit their job nothing wrong with the day job but just to go effort or they sense it's coming or that the axe or whatever guillotine or they've just got sick and tired of it or they got laid off and they go into something um, I have a friend who you know wasn't super happy with what he was doing so he switched careers and his passion, or at the time his passion was to create his own distilled, you know, alcohol product. So he just went for it. You know, they, his wife and I discussed their, or his wife and he discussed their finances and went, well, you can do this, do that. And he made it go and it's happening. And he's just like, wow, I'm a self-employed guy. And he never thought he could do that. And I just, I love those stories where it's just like, I'm going to quit and do this thing that I love. Because I mean, I just, I've been poor as hell my whole life, probably will be for the rest of my life. But I mean... No one ever told me I couldn't be an artist. I just went, okay, I'm going to go for it. So <clears throat> There's an interesting thing, two things. Number one, again, we go back to this idea of something unique about the Calgary culture where entrepreneurship or just this, I don't know. We have that for sure. Yeah, there's something where like people do actually take those gambles. And mm -hmm. whether you win, lose, fail, succeed, actually becomes a little bit irrelevant. I mean, you, you live through it. And the other thing that you bring up, I think, is interesting, is uh, describing yourself as as poor your entire career, but that being I'm okay. Cold. And I wonder, too, if, uh, I don't know if this is a generational thing or a social media thing, but that sense of entitlement has changed quite a lot, where, like you talked about, graduating out of grad school and believing that they should be the next Van Gogh, even though Van Gogh was poor and insane mm -hmm. in an asylum as well. But, like, you know, we want this projection of what we believe we're supposed to be um, versus having to fight through it. I, I mean, I'm guilty of the same thing. Oh, for sure. Know? I do it all the time. Yeah. I'm like, where's the dough for this new idea I've yeah, got? Yeah. I'm going, it's going to take five years to get yeah. it off the ground. I'm but in that phase right now. And I like, bother Matt all the time about uh, doing something new. But, we, you know, it's, it's going to take time. Yeah. But why we haven't become successful concert promoters, Matt, already, I don't know. It's but been like six days. Like we've been talking six days about putting on concerts. He's like, adorable. He's got the look down. You know, I mean, <laughs> DJ. He's screaming. connected. Yeah, he knows. He knows some uh, musical connection. So I, that's the thing. Like I meet uh, DJ Twerky. <laughs> neat fellas, and then he connects me with other people, and like so that part is healthy in Calgary. Like people really want to work together. Oh yeah. But that next elevation where it's not just artists pitching to other artists, but we can find a general public. That's. I mean, you seem to have being able to bridge that gap, which is amazing. Uh, but most of the people that I'm meeting, at least within my immediate circle right now, haven't been able to. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, some have, but most of them are just kind of like, you know, we, we put on a photography show, it's other photographers that show up. And everybody uh, says... Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I mean, some of my funnest things have been, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but where I get an email or a phone call from some bizarre industry professional that I wouldn't think of. And they say, I have this crazy idea. I want to put art here or do this. And your art's very approachable. And I'm like, fuck yeah, Let's bring go. it. Like yeah. whatever it is. What about, how much do you charge? We'll worry about that later. Let's just rock this. Like, this is so weird. Like, oh man, like cool. 
Can I draw my version of this? Yeah, hell, let's rock it. So next thing you know, it might pan out to be something cool or a moneymaker or not. But I just love the like the bravado of somebody who calls up and goes, hey, so I own this. Can we do this? And I'm like, yeah, let's do a line of lingerie. Mm, okay, I'll try it. <laughs> Why not? You know what I like about that too is uh, I, I've been recently describing myself as the, the Jim Carrey yes man, but you clearly are. And I think that that might be a motivating inspirational power, which is that if we take away the concept that yes has to be accompanied by success and money, but rather that attached that yes is experiential. So it's mm-hmm. like somebody says, yeah, let's put this together. I'm like, fuck it. That sounds awesome. Oh, yeah, Just do I it. hope there's enough to pay the rent at the end. Yeah. And it's bit me in the ass too. Like my, oh, has to. <laughs> my weird little motto has been like, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. Or how hard could it be? And yeah, but I'd say the 99 times out of 100 that it's panned out have been worth it. You know, where it's like, wow, had I not done that, I wouldn't have been done this or met this person. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy, you know. And think back 20 years ago where I just said yes to something and 25 years later, I'm still benefiting or some bizarre offshoot, like some guy 25 years ago, I did a crazy job. Then his kid who was four at the time is now 25 and hooks me, hires me for some huge job. I'm like, because they've been looking at a painting for 20 years. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. I'm just like, oh my God. So I love it. Just, I mean, it works for me. I, you know. No, I love, you know what? I I like to think it works for me. I think that's like, I think there's something, you know, world world life adage there you know honestly i think like we especially my wife and i right now because we both went into the entrepreneurial thing she became you know the kanmari specialist and all this kind of Sorry, stuff what did she do? kanmari the kanmari method have you oh, heard of I, don't know. I don't know what that is. so like this japanese woman uh wrote this book about organiza- organization oh that's the on I think Marie that's Kondo or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. Ah, okay i just so, discovered that we, we just started watching that show okay so my wife's it's pretty the, fascinating my wife's the only certified consultant here in the prairie oh wow center. right on yeah so I had my midlife crisis and my life collapse at the same time she got fired. So she couldn't even, you know. <laughs> Party time. Yeah, it just, it just leave the everything house. fucking blew up gin, all at once. Gin, gin, Pajamas. And then, uh, and like you were describing, for us it became, there is no alternate. Like we had to face either that we were going to really sink into depression, just fucking disappear. Mm-hmm. Or the reality that like, yeah, what's the worst that we, we had this yeah. exact discussion. We sit there in the bedroom and be like, okay, like this is happening. What's the worst that could happen? Okay, well, whatever. It was sell a condo, do this, whatever. And then and then what? Actually, nothing. Yeah, like you don't fine. not you pay just, your bills. You don't get cut off. You don't get yeah. evicted. Like, like it happens. But I mean, who gives think, a shit? whatever your worst fears are. And yeah. I still live in fear, but I mean, it all, I don't know about you, but I've had, knock on wood, craziest coincidences in my life where I'm down to nothing. And I get a phone call out of the blue where somebody goes, oh, hey. You know, my bank once said, oh, hey, we just got these royalties in from a German company that you did some glassware for, Ritzenhof. It was years ago. And we were discussing all these back and forth tax documents and how do I get my royalties and all this. And it wasn't very much, but I thought, that's oh, still money. It'll come in whenever. Forgot all about it for a year. And then, I, you know, I can't find my, can't get my rent together this month, blah, blah, blah. Woman from the Royal Bank calls and goes, Lois, hey, how's it going? We have this payment that's trying to get into your account from Germany. Where where do you want it? And I go, oh, uh, saving or checking. And she goes, great, thousand bucks. And I'm like, oh my god, you know, how yeah. did I, that phone call? Bring it. I'm paying my rent this month. So it's been like that. You know, that was ages ago. But wow, I mean, but that's, that's right on. So I just go, you know, that my faith that, was rewarded. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's that yes energy, man. Like the, there's that other <laughs> adage that I've been throwing at people too much, but. Uh, don't judge your day by what you reap, but what by what you sow. So like, if we keep saying yes, we keep pushing projects out, maybe that specific project fails per se. Mm-hmm. But maybe in that project, you meet, you know, a person that's doing this. And then, yeah, whether it's- Out of the, the ashes of failure. It's crazy. the phoenix of success. <laughs> there's, there's something to that, man. Like, cause I'm experiencing that too. Like when I, at the beginning of January, uh, although it was only two weeks ago, I was like, oh man, like, I don't know if I've got projects right now. Like, 
you know, I have this, this, and then all of a sudden people, they call, man. Something yeah, it's happens. True. It's weird. Two o'clock in the morning, I'm just wake up. Oh, fuck. I've got nothing. Yeah, man. Like, and then, <laughs> oh, I do. Oh, I do. You wake up, you know, terror hits you. Night terror is not the same the kids have. But I wake up and then by the, by the third sip of coffee, I'm like, oh, whatever. Piece of cake. Bring yeah. it. Yeah. I am Thor, you know. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes in the middle of the night, oh my God. Wife's like, are you okay? Yeah, <laughs> great. <laughs> I'm going to check my email. Uh, Waiting for a transfer, you know, whatever. But yeah, yeah it, all, it all pans out. I mean, whatever. I worry less. It's, it's weird. As soon as I had my kid, it's odd that my, not a big fear in life, but I never, having a child was not something I never avoided, but I never encouraged it because, or embraced the idea because I couldn't afford it. I thought, I loved kids. I always have. I thought I'd be a great dad, which so far so good. I thought, I can't afford a kid. I can't feed myself. How the hell would I, you know, I'm just going to let this kid down. Then we have a kid. And, um. First of all, you have two incomes, in theory, if you're lucky, you know, I know they're single parents, but also, um, man, all I got to do in life, like my worry level went down because I thought all I really have to do is I have to make sure this kid is healthy and happy and there's oof over his head. Yep. So my goals became a lot simpler in yep. a weird way. So I still make art and do all that stuff. But instead of all this soup of neat shows that, that I want to do, neat materials I want to try, I still have all that. But my job is to just pick him up from school, make sure he's happy. And so I chilled out. Like, it's weird. I still get panic days. And I don't make any more money than I did five years ago, but there's just a weird chill. Like, I'm like, hey, man, if you're good, I'm good, you know? To bring back the other thing, but, uh, you know, I'll also agree with you uh, with Emerson. Uh, you know, the first year was hard because um, I, I say the people that wait um, to have kids are worried about money, but when they have the kid, they're older and they have less energy and it's just exhausting. And the kids that have them young, they yeah. have, they're fucking broke, but they can stay up all night with them and it doesn't actually matter that much. Yeah. So it's like this weird <clears throat> balancing thing. We're old and poor, so we're kind of fucked. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's like, there's no we right some, answer. Yeah. We somehow get through. <laughs> but, uh, but the earlier point, which is that, uh, so my wife and I, uh, you know, hit this wall, we start doing this stuff and then all of a sudden we start trying to say yes. And, and the reason I bring that up, brought that up, bring that up is because uh, then we start getting people calling us or telling, oh, you guys are so inspirational you know, this is great, but I can't. It's like, why not? It's like, well, I got to, you know, and this is going to happen. Like, you know, the only way this starts is that you got to kind of stick your, you know, thing out. It's true, yeah. And like, then you, if you keep saying yes, that next thing will pop up. Yeah. It won't be oh, what yeah. you like. It won't be what you expect. But the shit just keeps happening. Yeah, like I think back to what I did when I was 20 and like phone calls I made or email or mail that I sent back in the old days. And like, walking into a store and going, you need this. Or I was very brave, you know, and I, I lack that. And I try to tap that now and then and just go like, because I still have nothing to lose ever mm. you know, on any level. Well, in my family, but career-wise, it's like, like what's the, like nothing, nothing bad's going to happen to this. So approach these people and ask them some weird fucked up question where they go, what? And then they think about it. And, you know, I, back when I was 25, I had some great opportunities because of that. And I think I got to get back to that, you know? But yeah, it's just sticking it out. Because if you wait to start, which is like my own little motto in my head, don't wait to start, you know? You go, well, I'll clean the house and then I'll do this. Oh no, I'll, I'll make sure I've, I've got some bills to pay. Then when I have an extra 400 bucks, I'll invest in this in tool or material that I want. I go F it. So now what I try to do is in the middle of the month, got some mortgage money in the bank, take half of that and I blow it on something stupid, like a tool that I want to use that I can, it's not replacing something. It's going to be innovative or a new material or I get some printing process on it I've never done. And the result of that is a whole show or I, I immediately get or typically immediately get positive, creative and financial results because of that. So I get rewarded and I go, God, do that more. You know, and like someone goes, what is this? And I go, oh, that was printed on a whatever printer. Need one. Great. 400 bucks because that's what I spent on it. You know? Yeah. I wonder like some somebody might hear that and think, oh, you can do that because you're Dean Stanton or, <laughs> you know, you know, like, but what I mean is. Not necessarily just you, but like anybody that is perceived publicly 
to be either successful or to have mm-hmm. some some positivity come out of those so-called gambles, et cetera. But I, I just wonder if it actually boils down to something simply, which is um, when you have that passion and that kind of like connection to what you're doing, and then if you just go and fucking do it. Yeah, and naivete. Like just, yeah, you're like, just okay. pretend you're a kid. What's we got the basics gonna, covered. There's food in the fridge. Huh. Let her rip. Yeah, instead of huh. – and my wife's really good. She's in casting. She's a casting director and also, you know, gig economy. And so we start, what is it, a feast or famine for us? But I mean, she's very encouraging. Like I needed to find somebody by divine providence that gets it and doesn't go, what did you do? You blew 300 bucks on a 3D printing technique yeah. or something. And she goes, fucking hey, it looks great. Let's go. And I like that because by nature, by by luck and whatever, I by providence, I, I met that as opposed to maybe a corporate minded person that's like, oh, no, 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 pay Telus. Right. Then we can, you right. she's more like, I have to tell us and have, you know, yeah, yeah. we work it out. And I like that because I don't get scolded when I do something weird. Or if I fuck up, she's right there to go, it's half our, it's half mine too, you know. I got, uh, I got lucky too. My wife's been with me. We've been together over 18 years now. Hi, Melissa. And, uh, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just chicken shit. But Matt <laughs> gave us, uh, yeah. Matt gave, uh, uh, Matt gave us the signal. So. Uh, Signal, so take our clothes off when Mazzola's warmed up. Well, I wasn't wearing any anyways. Yeah, you can't tell. The but... Naked Podcast. <laughs> any sort of plugs, any, you know, any declarations, any... Not really. I'm going to a party tonight. I got nominated for the Best of Calgary thing, which is really cool. That was a total surprise, so that's nice. Um, so we're going to go to the party where they launch it or whatever. I don't know. And uh, it's going to be neat, but I've, I've never been nominated for anything before. I think if Best of Calgary is the best of that I remember from last year, my friend uh, Vladdy has a company called Work More, and they uh, they do the marketing advertising for them. I think they built their website, and it's actually my photography that's oh, awesome. uh, on their plaques and shit. We're connected. <laughs> but I'm not the best of anything. It was just through a leverage. But if that's the same best of, then uh, that's kind of weird that it's all kind of... But uh, same thing. Just well, Calgary is it's funny. Calgary's a massive city with a huge population. And my wife and I were just talking about this, but it's remarkably small Oh yeah. in its own Twitterverse and all that. Like there's a... Maybe it's tech-based, but it's really... You know, Mike Morrison or yeah. me or whomever. And it's, it's this neat little group where you see the names, the same names popping up. And well, Dina, uh, that's good. At, that's good and bad, I guess. But last August, uh, never mind not existing. I mean, the concept of a podcast was impossible. And now it's January and I've sat with fucking George last week. I'm sitting with you. You know, like, I don't know. this. I don't know if this happens in Toronto, honestly. Like, yeah, I don't. I mean, you guys are awesome. And like, and maybe this is the entrepreneurial spirit thing where everybody says yes. Like, like the phone, people that are saying yes. Say I didn't yes, have my helper return your phone call, you <laughs> yeah. know. Instead, I just blowed you off and I show up. Assistant. I should have been five minutes late just to freak you out. <laughs> Next time. Guy. Yeah, on the fall. Stanton. <laughs> You're renting a billboard. Stanton sucks. Um, but, you know, it's cool, man. I love this city for, for so many reasons. Oh, but, yeah. No, well, it's great. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, especially uh, if I travel, I, m- I miss it a lot when I travel. So uh, Okay, so we have to do 15 seconds of silence now. That's pretty funny, right? Uh, no, no, we got to uh, we'll say bye. Thank you so much for hanging Thank out. Thank you for having me. Um, hopefully we'll actually get to do that coffee one of the day- these days mm-hmm. and continue this ranting. Uh, good luck. Wait, are they selecting best of or is it just like a launching thing? Well, they, the, the, nominee, the nominees, I guess, are all getting together and doing a thing at the St. Okay. Louis, which is a great space. Yeah, yeah. So see how it goes. We'll have fun. Hope there's somebody yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see you around. Downstairs. Let's get together and yell and rant. Oh, yeah. Thanks. In a small closed room with soundproofing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay. Now we got to wait 10 oh. seconds. Emerson, I thought you were going to play by yourself. <laughs> All right, guys.
Toodaloo, this has been a Perspectives YYC Media Lab collaboration podcast. Love ya, bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Media Lab YYC. Kyle Marshall runs this amazing little outfit here in downtown Calgary. Um, And we wanted to say this, here at Media Lab YYC, we help you share your stories with the public, video, audio, business, personal. Let us help you take your idea to the finish line. Purposes yeah. for editing purposes. Too bad you can't get that real life. Uh, well, before, after, during. Mm-hmm. Someone's in the middle of a rant. You're like, I, I need, uh, yeah, I need 15 minutes of silence for editing purposes.